Hi, thanks for joining us online. We're glad that you've chosen to access this message. It's so encouraging to know that God is using the ministry of Portico Community Church to touch the hearts and lives of people all across the world. If you have a story to share or a prayer request, we would love to hear from you at info at porticocanada.ca. To support our ministry, you can donate online by clicking on the donate button at the top right of your screen. Once again, we're so glad that you've joined us. It's our prayer that this message from God's Word will deeply impact your life. Good morning, good morning. Uh, for those of you who are new, welcome, welcome. Uh, I am uh, the campus pastor here. Uh, my name is Daniel, and uh, it's just so good to have you today. Now, normally when I'm, I'm talking, I'll, I'll do a little kind of thing where I, I say to the newcomers who are visiting today, I say, you know what, after the service, I'd love to meet with you at the info center, uh, so come make sure and say hi to me. And uh, I was hanging out with uh, my friend Calvin in the back and uh, this past week, um, and he was telling me every time that I make that comment, he laughs. And I said, well, what's so funny about me saying I want to meet the newcomers? He goes, you never make it to the info center. You're always stuck at the front. And and so to to Calvin's remark, I have this to say. Newcomers, if you're here and you're brand new, meet me at the info center after. Don't believe me? Just watch, okay? And if you want to talk to me here, you're going to see me do this, okay? And I'm going to race back there, okay? I know some of you are out there and you're like, oh, I'm going to get right in front of him so he doesn't get there. I played football in high school. I'm just saying, okay? Um, but uh, uh, we'll, uh, we will, um, it, it's just, it's so great to have you today. Ushers, uh, we'll, we'll get to you after. Uh, thank you so much, though. They're on the, on the ball today. I appreciate it. But uh, newcomers, it's so great to have you today and, and be a part of our service and those of our, our church family here. It's always good. Um, we are in a new series called This Is Living, uh, Choosing Joy in Life's Everyday Moments. And uh, I just, ushers, you can be seated. Uh, you too as well. Okay, I see you guys staring at me. I just love Scott and Mark's heart. Give it up for Scott and Mark. They're just, yeah. They are on point today, and uh, I love them. We'll, we'll get to it after, though. But uh, we're in a, a wonderful series called Choosing Joy in Life's Everyday Moments, where we're going through the book of Philippians. And this is a letter written uh, from a devout follower of Jesus named Paul. And he's writing to this new formed, uh, newly formed church. Um, that is experiencing severe persecution. They're going through a lot of troubles and trials. And so he's trying to encourage them in the midst of uh, difficult and uncertain times. Um, and how to, how to live, how to love, how to, how to survive, how to have joy in the midst of trials. And I think we can all understand that. We, we get that feeling of uncertain times. We, we know those seasons of difficulty. And so what we want to do today is, is we want to uh, take a moment and see what Paul has to say to the church and how we can apply that to our lives too. So open your Bibles to Philippians uh, 3. Philippians 3. We're going to be starting in verse t- uh, 12. And uh, today I, I actually want to start off um, we're going to be talking today about blind spots. 
Uh, blind spots. For those of you who don't know what a blind spot is, is this is an area in your range of vision that you cannot see properly, but you should be able to. So it's an area uh, in your range of vision that you can't see properly. Maybe it's distorted, but you should be able to see. For example, a blind spot might be in finances in your life might be financial. Have you ever, uh, especially for those of you who are teenagers or young adults in the room, um, or, or parents when you were younger, have you ever, you know, you had a job and finally money was going into your bank account and then you went out and you bought a new pair of shoes and then you went out and you bought ice cream and then you went out to McDonald's five times. And then you just kept on going out and then suddenly you go to your account and you're like, minus? What? There's nothing in there, right? Sometimes financially we have blind spots where we don't know, uh, 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 we we think we have but we don't. Some of us here uh, have blind spots when it comes to self-centeredness. Now I know what you're thinking, I come to this church and my pastor calls me self-centered. Let me just prove my point. How many of you here, when a picture is taken of you in a group, you only look at yourself? You'll look at the picture, and if you look good, the picture is good, right? The person beside you could look terrible. They could be like closed eyes and a weird smirk, and you're like, wow, this is an amazing picture. I look great, right? Sometimes that can be a blind spot in our lives. Maybe it's relationships, right? When you were dating, um, we have blind spots in relationships when, when we seem to be going after the same type of person over and over and over again. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, where, where you're like, I just don't understand, right? Why does this keep happening to me? Because you pick the same person over and over again, right? The same type of person, right? Tall, dark, and handsome. Oh, I'm just joking. For all of you dark-haired people. Um, but sometimes it's relationships. Other times it's laziness. Who here has uh, uh, bright ideas all the time? Like you have these million-dollar ideas. Raise your hands. Come on. Yep, yep. Thank you for your honesty. You have these million-dollar ideas. And uh, don't raise your hand, but how many times do you have these million-dollar ideas that go nowhere? Right? Or, <laughs> right? or how about you have these projects, right, that you need to do around the house, but instead of them getting done, they just seem to somehow vanish and disappear, right? Yeah, exactly. We, we sometimes have this laziness that can be a blind spot. Even, even success can be a blind spot where, you know, we have this form of success and then all of a sudden we think we've arrived, right? One of my favorite movies over Christmas is Home Alone. Uh, Home Alone 2, to be specific, uh, where they're in New York, and this, this kid named Kevin McAllister is lost, and uh, these two robbers are, are trying to, to catch him, and, and so he hides out in this house, and uh, he, he sets all these booby traps for these two guys, uh, Marvin Harry, if you remember the movie. If you don't, 
you need to go see this movie, all right? And, and anyways, he's, he's booby-trapped the house, and there's like bricks that are flying off of the, off of the, the ceiling, and, 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 and these bars that are falling on them, there's irons falling on them. And anyways, uh, Merv gets to this point where he, he's finally able to get up to the front door, and he opens the door, and the door opens, And he looks around, and it's empty. And he yells out, Harry, I've reached the top! Right? And then he takes a step, and the floor is gone. Right? And what meets him at the bottom is a a bunch of paint and some turpentine. Right? And then an iron falls on his head, too. Sometimes we think that in our successes, we've reached the top, only to find out sometimes a lot of times, that it's a blind spot in our lives and we fall just like them. Truthfully, in blinds, when it comes to blind spots, we have it in our faith too. We have blind spots in our faith. We say, you know, God, use me. God, I want you to use me in my life, but not like that, right? God, d- do whatever you want in my life, but not that thing, Right? God, I want, you know, God, I just want to be a good uh, influence on my children, right? And then all of a sudden your child's like, Mom, can you read me a story? No, no, go to bed, right? But God, I want to be a good influence on my child, right? We have these blind spots in our lives all the time. And, and if we're not careful, what these blind spots do is they make us stagnant in our faith. They actually prevent us from growing, And the truth is, is we all have blind spots. If you don't think that you have a blind spot, that's your blind spot, right? We all have them and they need to go. So we need to ask ourselves this question. Feel free to write this down. We need to ask ourselves this. How do we move away? How do we move away from habits or behaviors that undermine or even limit our ability to succeed? How do we move away from habits or behaviors that undermine and even limit our ability to succeed, our ability to grow? Simply put, how do we move from a place of immaturity to a place of maturity? Because that's what it comes down to. Blind spots are are, are a place of immaturity. And so we want to move away, when it comes to our faith, from a place of immaturity to maturity. So Philippians, Paul addresses this in a, in a great way. He says this in, in verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, right? Not that I'm perfect or that I've arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The first thing we need to do, the first thing that we need to do is keep your past in proper perspective. If you look at Paul's life, you would think that you were in the presence of greatness. 
This guy was a, a Pharisee. A Pharisee at the time were people that knew, knew the Torah inside and out. They had actually memorized it. They knew all the laws. They knew all the rules. And they were seen as these big figures, right? These, these impressive people, usually well-to-do, these great leaders. And so you would look at Paul and you'd think he'd be this great leader. And then literally Paul has this encounter with Jesus where Jesus literally knocks him off of a horse. Anyone ever been knocked off a horse by Jesus, right? Uh, knocked off his high horse in a, in a way you could say. Well, anyways, Paul turns his life around and he starts up all these churches all over the place. And, and he heals people in Jesus' name. And, and now he's in prison for his faith. And if you had to point out who you would uh, think is the perfect Christian or the perfect person, you would look at, it, at him and say, it's Paul. Paul is that person. There's, there's nothing more that Paul needs. He, he's arrived. And yet we read in scripture that Paul's saying, hey, I'm not there yet. I still have blind spots. I still have things that, that hold me back. And, yet, and, and what I love about Paul is he's quickly to oppose the notion that he's arrived, that he's made it. And Paul doesn't romanticize about his past. And it's not that the past doesn't have value, because it does, right? Our past, your story of how, how you got here does have value. It, it builds a foundation in your life. But when it came to Paul, but even though God had done all these incredible things in his life, he truly believed there was more for him. He truly believed there was more to attain, that there was more that he could work on and more that God wanted to reveal in him and to do in him and through him. And like Paul, we need to make sure that we don't get caught up in what God has done for us, that we lose focus of what God is doing in us. You hear that today? We need to make sure that we don't lose focus. We don't get so caught up in what God has done for us that we lose focus of what God is doing in us. Or could I say this? What God is wanting to do in your life today. I tell you what, I, I don't want to be that person who's been a Christian for 15 years but only have one year of experience. I, I don't want to talk about the good old days. I want to talk about how Jesus is saving my neighbors today. Right? I, I, don't, I don't want to talk about old styles. I want to talk about what new things God is doing today. Because I believe he's a God that's always doing something new. You know, Israel... Israel had this bad habit of constantly going back to old habits and, and behaviors. They had these blind spots. And, and so God actually says to them in Isaiah 43, he says, forget the former things. Like drop it, forget those things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. I'm doing something new. Do you, do you perceive it? Right? He says, he says, do you perceive it? I am making a new way. God wanted to do more for Israel than just get them out of Egypt. He had bigger plans for Israel than just their physical freedom. And it's the same with you and I. God wants you to look forward in faith because he has more for you than just what he did for you in the past.
So let me ask you this morning, do you see it? Do you perceive that new thing that God is wanting to do in your life? Do you see it? Do you perceive it? If the Bible says that God is wanting to do something new, do you see it? And if you don't, what's obstructing your vision? Um, my, uh, my wife has taught my son the um, sign language for more, which is this. Uh, I just think of it as two kissing ducks. I, just, I don't know. I'm assuming this means more because she just keeps doing it to my son. And I'm like, okay, like, you know. But uh, this means more. And so it's the cutest thing because we'll be eating and he just will look at us and he'll just keep doing this, right? Right? And then he'll point at the specific food and just do this, right? And it's the cutest thing. But here's the thing is, is he does that because he knows what happens when he, he does that. He knows that he's going to get more, right? And it's the same with us and God. It's, it's the exact same with us and God, God has this desire to do more in our lives. All we have to do is ask for it. We've got to search for it. We've got to seek it out. I don't think we serve a God or we have a God in our lives that will cut us off. I actually think that God has more for us all the time. We just need to be asking for more. And the more we come to know Christ, the more we realize our need to grow, our need for him, the need for more. You know, a, a common blind spot in Christianity is this assumption that we've arrived to assume that you're good, right? You, you've got what you need, you don't need anymore. For some of us, our blind spots are that there's nothing more, Right? Maybe in the room today, you're like, man, this, this faith thing, this Christianity, it's just Sunday morning and it's music and it's a guy speaking, right, with, with extremely tight pants, um, right, right, Who, who's trying to be relevant. I am relevant, okay, but, um, but uh, right, we, we get into these, these thoughts that this is all there is, right? Well, I've, I've accepted Jesus now, and now I come to this, and, and yet we find ourselves constantly going, I don't know, there's just something missing, though. There's got to be more. Maybe this is it, though. Right? And we, we have these blind spots, but the truth is, is that you haven't even scratched the surface. This is one aspect of our relationship with God that we're intentional with. But with God, there's so much more. And we need to be careful that we don't get into this season of stagnation, right? Where we assume that there's nothing more, or that we assume that we've arrived. And what I love about Paul is he's always wanting more. This guy that you would admire for his faith and how he's living it, he's going, no, 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 no. There's still more. There's still more that I can, I can do. There's still more that I can attain. And the truth is, uh, today I want you to know that there's actually blessing for those who desire more. There's blessing in spiritual dissatisfaction. 
the Bible says uh, Jesus was talking to the masses and he says in Matthew 5, 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. You know, there's a danger in living in the past and living off the past, right? Yeah, I had this incredible encounter with God when I was a teenager. Well, what, what is God doing today? Well, I had this incredible encounter when... You know, and we feed off the past. But the truth is, is God is wanting to do new things every day in your life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. It's this constant craving for more of God, to know God more, to know his love and his truth. And when we do that, we find blessing in our lives. And so there's this danger in living in the past or living off the past, which is why Paul says in Philippians 3, let us live up to what we have already attained. What he's saying is don't backslide. Don't, don't get sidetracked. Don't look back on the past or become stagnant in your faith. Keep moving forward. Fulfill what you know and follow through on what you've learned. That's our responsibility right there as, as believers, to fulfill what you know and follow through on what you've learned. Secondly, we need to pick up the pace. Pick up the pace. So how do we do that? I love Paul. He says this. He says, I do this one thing. I do this one thing when it comes to picking up the pace. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward. So what do we do? We forget the past, strain toward the future by pressing on in the present. August 1954, the British Empire had their games, their, their big games, and it was actually held in, in Vancouver. And there were two men in specific that were racing at this, uh, this special games. And they were the first two men to ever run the four-minute mile. So these were literally the two fastest men in the world, uh, Roger Bannister and John Landy. One was from Australia and one was from Britain. And so they start off the race, and right off the bat, you have John Landy that jumps out into the lead. And normally in the, in the, in the mile, you, you have moments where you ease up a little bit so that in the last, in the last uh, round, the last, the last 200 to, to, to 400 meters, you can go all out. And, and this is in the third lap. And so what John Landy actually does is instead of slowing down, he picks up the pace. And he runs faster and faster. And Roger Bannister is seeing this and going, okay, like this isn't normal, but I'm going to chase after him harder and harder. And so John Landy, thinking, uh, thinking that he's, he's made this giant lead, is running and, and he's on the final lap. And as he's on the final lap, he does the unthinkable. One thing that you're taught never to do is as he's running, he's, he's doing the final stretch and he's looking back. And as he looks back, Roger Bannister comes from the other side and passes him. Landy lost that race because 
he was more concerned about what was behind him than what lay ahead. And for some of you who are in the room, this is a blind spot in your life. This is a blind spot in our lives. Maybe there's tension in your life between what you've done and what you want to be. And, and you just can't seem to shake it and it's holding you back. But look at Paul. Look what he does. He says, he says that, hey, I, I've had these past achievements and I've had these past failures and, and I throw them all aside. Paul used to persecute Christians. He would throw them in jail. He would murder them. If, if anyone has a, a, a messed up past, it's Paul. And yet Paul is this guy who also is starting up all these churches and seeing all these people healed and seeing all these people saved. He's got all these incredible achievements and all of these monstrous failures. And yet he throws both of them aside, not focusing on the past, because he didn't want to lose focus of what God was going to do in the present. He didn't want to lose focus of that. In a way, you could actually say that Paul had temporary amnesia. I remember as a, as a snowboarder, I was, uh, I was going down the hill and I had done this big rail that was probably about 10, 15 feet up in the air. And as I got to the top of the rail, um, there was a chunk of ice. And I remember torpedoing uh, to the ground. And luckily, I had my helmet and my, my goggles. But I remember going down the hill and, and, and actually temporarily forgetting what I was doing. I was like, right, I'm snowboarding, right? And I get home and my eye is just, you know, I had got a concussion and everything. But it, it's the same with us, right? We need to have, when it comes to our past, if, if we really want to succeed, if we really want all that God has for us, we need to have temporary amnesia. Not, not thinking too much about our victories, not, no, not dwelling so much on those achievements, not dwelling so much on how we messed up yesterday, how we made mistakes the day before. Maybe we did some, you know, we weren't the best parent or we had, you know, the, we had a moment of weakness and fell in temptation or, you know, we need to take those things as what they, they are and put them in the past behind us and move forward. For others of you in the room, maybe your blind spot isn't the past, but the present. You're in a new stage of life and there's this tempta temptation to change your priorities, right? I, I, I get it. Um, we can have a new job, right? That, that takes up a lot more of our time. Maybe it's, uh, you know, you have a family and so you're taking care of your family and your kids, right? We have all these reasons, all these temptations to suddenly move our priorities away from God and dwell morally, more in the, in the space of, with our family. And so maybe, maybe that's where your blind spot is today. You haven't grown in your faith because you're, you're, you're focusing so much on your family, which is not a bad thing. But, but truth be told that the, the more time you spend with God, the more that seeps into your family. The more you'll actually see changes in your family. I remember as a kid, I always used to um, wake up and I'd, I'd come downstairs and see my dad on his knees praying for us. 
and at first I thought that was the, the weirdest thing, right? Especially when I wasn't following God. And I'd see my mom at the kitchen table reading her Bible. But eventually that soaked into my life where I saw it as a priority, where, where I saw that their prayers actually worked, that their, their maturity, their wisdom that they were gaining from time on their knees or, or time in prayer or time in the word, it, it soaked into my life too. And so maybe that's, that's a blind spot that we have. It's not the past, but it's actually in the present. We've lost focus of what the whole point of this life is. But I love what Paul says. He says, he says, forgetting those things. I seize, I, I, I seize after Christ. I, I go after Christ. I, I strain after Christ. It's actually a military term, right? When, when Paul says, I seize, I pursue. What he's saying is like an army. I'm going in and I'm trying to take with everything that I have. And he's saying, he's saying if, if Christ has seized you, if, if God has done something in your life, press on in hot pursuit for a deeper knowledge of Christ. Don't give up. Because the truth is, is that the gospel doesn't allow us for a bland, middle-of-the-road faith. We can't strive for hot or cold. We are called to a single-minded, determined pursuit of Christ, which is the only way to live. So don't burn out for Christ, burn bright for Christ. That's our call. James 1.4 says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. 2 Peter 3 says, but grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We need to pick up the pace. We need to strive after, go go wholeheartedly after God. And, and, and not only that, but we actually need to find others to join with us together. Who here knows that life is just better with others, right? It, it's better when you're in good company. Life is just a little bit better when you're not doing it alone. We need to be intentional about who we follow. You want to get rid of those blind spots in your faith, in your life? Pick people who are going to build you up, not bring you down. Find people that can mentor you. And these don't even have to be people uh, in the physical sense. I tell you, um, you know, people like uh, uh, Ravi Zacharias and Craig Rochelle, they mentor me all the time, right? There are people that I've, I've never met before, but they influence me all the time because of the podcasts or, you know, their sermons, their messages, even their lifestyle. Find people that will influence you, they, that, uh, that, that will help you, not hinder you. And the truth be told is, is each one of us here, I see some incredible potential. I see some incredible leaders there's a lot of you in the room that are, are being mentored, but you're not mentoring anyone. And that needs to change. We're called to be disciple makers, right? To make disciples. Some of you in the room, you need to take that next step in your growth and your maturity and start mentoring people. Start looking for ways to serve within the church or within your community. 
right? That, maybe that's your blind spot as you've got this, you know, this level of, of faith and you're good and you're, you're golden and you know your stuff, you know your word and, and you're living as, a, as an example, but you're, you're not training up anyone. It's so important that we do that. It's so important because what Paul is saying here is, you know what, there is, there is eternal value and then there's momentary value. And we chase after the eternal value. That's what we do as believers. The Bible says in Philippians 3, our citizenship is in heaven. So if I can get the band coming up, we're going to sing this song called uh, New Wine. And uh, basically what it's asking, what it's saying is God... You're a God who always has something new. Um, And so for maybe some of you in the room, um, this idea of... uh, uh, This idea that God has more for you is far-fetched. Don't believe that lie. God has more for you. God is wanting to do just like my son, he asks for more because he knows he's going to get more. We need to have this belief that God actually does have more for me. That I, I was made on purpose. That I have a purpose. That there's more out there than just a, a yes moment saying yes to Jesus. But actually that, that God has called me to something far greater than just accepting. The Bible says that you are the light of the world, that we are meant to be lights. We are meant to be influences, right? And and that only comes from getting more from God. And so if you're today here and you've been fatigued or you're exhausted, you're overwhelmed, your faith seems to be fizzling out, right? Maybe for you that that torch that you once um, had has been going out and it's just embers now. We're going to sing this song that's talking about a refilling, a energizing, you know, getting more that God would refan that flame and, and we would burn bright. If that's you today, make this your prayer that God would do something new. For those of you in the room who who this idea of God is, is strange or, or weird or, you know, you know nothing about God, use this time to just think about, okay, God, if you're real, what does that mean? What does that look like? If you have more, God, I'm just going to ask you, if you're real, if if you're who you say, you you know, what we've been hearing about, show it this week. Show me that there's something new for my life. Show me that you have, you know, something more for my life today. Fan into our hearts, into our lives, this this faith.
this flame that will, will burn 